you would turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. You know, there was a lieutenant in the Civil War named George Dixon. He was a lieutenant in the Confederate Army. During the Civil War, in the Battle of Shiloh, a Union musket shot and struck Lieutenant Dixon right where he happened to be keeping a $20 gold piece that his fiancée had given to him. That $20 gold piece uh, was in his pocket somewhere when that musket hit him and it saved his life. And so from then on, from the Battle of Shiloh forward, anywhere Lieutenant Dixon went, he had that $20 piece of gold with him. It was like his good luck charm. Well, eventually, Lieutenant Dixon took the coin onto uh, the submarine. It was the, really the first successful combat submarine in the world. Uh, Lieutenant Dixon had the honor to be able to command that submarine and that distinction, and he took it into combat, this little coin, on the submarine with him, and he believed that the technology that they had achieved would be able to uh, break the enemy blockade that they were facing but after sinking a Union ship uh, the submarine that Lieutenant Dixon was on uh, herself began to sink probably I'm sure due to the uh, due to the damage sustained in battle taking Lieutenant Dixon and his crew to their deaths more than a hundred years later the wreckage was located uh, at the bottom of the sea and in 2001, when the submarine was raised, archaeologists began to study that submarine and, and they found Lieutenant Dixon's famous lucky coin. A silent testimony to the fact that his little golden good luck charm could not save him. A silent protest that this lucky coin was was something, excuse me, something of false hope. You know, the tragic thing is that many people in our world today hold on to false hopes all the time. They hold on to things like fame and celebrity or popularity. They hold on to, to uh, the good luck charms of financial success. If I can just make this amount of money, then everything in my life is going to be okay. They, they hope in relationships and those hopes many times are false hopes. They put all their hope in religion. Some of them hope in politics and in science. And for some of them, politics and science kind of become a religion. But listen, what, what I want you to understand this morning as we get started is that, is that success and celebrity and relationships are not necessarily bad things. But at the end of the day, all of those things will come and go. Just like that little $20 gold piece of Lieutenant Dixon, it, 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 it helped him in one particular battle but it was not something that was going to sustain him for the rest of his life, much less throughout eternity. You know, the sad thing is, is that a lot of people, when it comes to the things of God and the things of Christianity, a lot of people even hold on to the things of Christianity the way that Lieutenant Dixon held on to that coin. 
you know, it, it, with this kind of attitude of, oh, well, what I need to do is I need to go to church, and then God will be happy with me, you know? Maybe if I go to church and I read my Bible, then I can maybe maneuver myself and, and, and maybe sort of trick God into not letting anything bad happen to me. It was, it's almost like, well, if I read my Bible, that's just like my little lucky rabbit's foot. But that's really not what Christianity is meant to be. That kind of thinking is false hope. The hope that we have in Christ is that it is, it's not that Christ will prevent bad stuff from ever happening to us. It's a hope that gets us through the things in this life, good and bad. And it's a hope that transcends this world. It's a hope that connects us to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. As Peter says, in Christ Jesus we have a living hope. Friends, Jesus is our sure and certain hope, full of promise for you and for me. You know, last week we began talking about that living hope and how you and I can live in the living hope of Jesus. And as we move forward this morning, we're going to seek to answer the question, how do you know? How do you know that you're living in hope? What does it look like when someone is living in hope? You know, I know we have a lot of hunters in our community and in our congregation. And, you know, hunting today uh, is with the technology that we have is almost unfair anymore. You know, with all the, all the cameras that you can put on the trees and, you know, next to the feeders and you can see the deer that come and go and the different game and you can see if you got a big buck or an elk or something that's, uh, that's in your feeder and so you know, hey, uh, hey you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hunting in the right place here. But, you know, back in the old days uh, and still today, there are other ways that you can tell if there is a buck in the woods that you like to hunt you look for the tree rubbings. If you see the, the rubbings on the trees where, the, where these bucks will take their antlers and they'll scrape bark off of the tree, you see those fresh rubbings. You know there's a buck here somewhere. There's been a buck here recently. If you see a lot of tr fresh tree rubbings, you know there might be more than one buck in the woods out here. And so there are things that you can look for just in, 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 in really in the natural order of things and in this world that help you to be able to distinguish those kinds of questions. Well, the same thing is true with a person that is living in hope. How do you know if someone's living in hope? You look for the rubbings. You look for those markings, the markings of Christ working in their life. And Peter gives us little pieces of some of these things right here in 1 Peter, starting in verse 6 and reading to verse 12. I invite you to read that along with me. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 6. You rejoice in this. Now for a short time you have had to struggle in various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes through refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You love Him, though you have not seen Him. And though not seeing Him now, you believe in Him and rejoice 
with an inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired to what time or what, what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the messianic sufferings and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you and by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, angels desire to look into these things. Father, we pray this morning that as we unpack these six or seven verses right here in 1 Peter chapter 1, God, we pray that you would help us to understand what it looks like for somebody to be living in hope. Father, would you move us in the direction as believers to seek to live in hope all of our days. God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The markings of hope. That's what we're talking about this morning. How do you know that someone is living in hope? Well, number one, you have to understand that hope is received. Hope is something that is received. We see this um, alluded to in verses 8 and 9. Uh, it says, And though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And it goes on to say, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Verse 8, though not seeing him now, you believe in him. He's talking about faith. He's talking about the faith where we believe in something that we cannot physically see or touch. That doesn't mean that we do not spiritually see or spiritually sense or feel God's presence. But though we do not see Him, we believe in Him. The author of Hebrews tells us that faith is the reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. Faith is believing in God with your heart even though you cannot see him with your eyes that's what we're talking about right here in first Peter that kind of faith as you look at verse 9 the Holman says because you are receiving the goal of your faith the salvation of your souls now the word receive is a Greek word that means in this context in this verse not in every verse you see that word but in this verse, the word that is used, that's translated as receive, it means it's the idea of you are getting something that is coming your way. When you come to Christ, when you put your faith in Jesus and you repent of your sins and commit to following him all of your days, you are adopted into the family of God, you are covered by the blood or sprinkled by the blood as we talked about a week or two ago of Christ your sins are forgiven and what is coming to you from that moment forward what is coming to you is eternal life so when you step from this life into the next what you receive is what is coming your way because of your faith because of what Jesus has done and what is coming your way is the salvation of your souls that's what verse 9 is saying 
The phrase, the goal of your faith, it means the outcome. And so this is, this is what it's saying. It's, it's saying, if you were just to literally translate verse 9, it could read something like this. It could read, uh, you are receiving what is coming your way as a final outcome of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. So why? Because Jesus is our living hope. Jesus is our living hope. The living hope of salvation is a result of being born again through the Holy Spirit of God. That's where it begins. Someone, someone cannot live in hope if they have not received the hope of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Someone may ask, well, at what point are we born again? Well, John 1.12 uses similar, similar language that helps us to understand this a little more clearly. John 1.12 in the English says, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. We see that there are those that are going to be children of God. Who are the children of God? The ones who receive him by believing in his name and so in the Greek the word believe is the same in John 1 as it is in 1st Peter 1 but the word believe is different in John 1 than it was in 1st Peter 1 in John 1 the word receive in this verse isn't talking about finding finding or realizing or receiving uh, you know a, a, a an impending outcome but in John 1 12 the word receive means that you are taking something up as your own in John 1 12 the word receive means it means that you are embracing something you are making a choice to embrace something you are we say we use the word accepting it as part of who you are as part of your life and so 1 Peter 1.9 tells us about the outcome of living in hope. And John 1 tells us about the beginning of how we begin to live in hope. It's, it's amazing when we see this. But listen, the bottom line is this. Christianity is more than a religion, folks. It, it's more than a set of standards. It's more than the things that we do or that we don't do. It's more than superstition. Some people are kind of superstitious about Christianity. You know, if, if I... If I trip up, God's going to punish me. And I'm not saying that there are not consequences for your sins, but some people take a, a really superstitious approach. And, and that's just religion. That's just religiosity. That's just the stuff. Okay, Christianity is, is way beyond that. Authentic Christianity is part of who we are. It's part of who you are as a person. When you come to faith in Christ... You make a choice to trust in Him with all that you are. Remember John 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, that when we come to Christ, we are born of the Spirit. Ezekiel says that when we come to Christ, that God replaces our old heart with a new heart. He's not talking about the literal heart organ that is in your body. The word heart really means your soul. What it's saying is, God is replacing your dead soul with a living soul. That's what happens. That's because it becomes a part of who we 
are. Friends, you can memorize Bible verses and still never know who Jesus is. You know, a lot of people think that if they learn more about the Bible, they'll become a, a, a Christian. And, and that very well could happen, but not because of memorizing verses. It would happen when those verses begin to penetrate your heart and you, uh, and, and you realize your need for Christ and then you receive and accept Him as your Lord and Savior. And when that happens, you receive a new heart. A, you are born of the Spirit. See, we need to understand that, that being a believer in Christ is much deeper than all of those things. You know, John 5, in John 5, Jesus tells the teachers of the law, he says, you pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, yet they testify about me, Jesus says. And in verse 40, John 5, 40, Jesus says, and you are not willing to come to me so that you may have eternal life. How do you know if you're living in hope? Well, the first thing to evaluate is whether or not you have come to Christ, whether or not you have truly received the hope of salvation that is in Jesus Christ. Folks, you don't have to be a Baptist to be saved. You don't have to be a member of any particular church to be saved. You, you are saved by the blood of Jesus to be sprinkled with the blood for your sins to be atoned for. You need to have faith and confidence in who Jesus is and what he has done to secure your salvation. Friends, do you believe? Because hope is received. Number two, I want you to understand that hope rejoices. How do you know if someone is living in hope? Have they received hope? And are they rejoicing in hope? Because hope rejoices. Verse 8, he talks about how they rejoice with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Verse 6, he fleshes this out a little bit more. He says, you rejoice in this, though now for a short time you have had to struggle in various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes through refined though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So he says, you rejoice in this so that the genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter is commending these people for living in hope, for living in the hope of salvation through Jesus Christ. Peter commends them even though they may suffer greatly. And even in their suffering, when they do suffer, Peter says, you rejoice. One of the marks of an authentic believer in Christ is that he or she is able to rejoice in the Lord, even in suffering. I mean, who does that? Who rejoices in suffering? How does that even work? How do you rejoice in suffering? You know, over the weekend, I, I've seen this in action with a friend of mine named Austin. When I served in Mississippi, Austin was one of our uh, college students. Austin began coming to our college ministry because 
there was a young lady there that he was interested in and uh, and they're both both he and she are amazing young adults and he began coming to our church he came from another church in another town but got really plugged in I got to know Austin very well and he led worship for me in our youth group for a couple years and uh, uh, just a great young man he and his uh, uh, he and the young lady that he was pursuing uh, they were both served in leadership uh, helped us with our student ministry helped us in a lot of ways in that church well, about a, I don't know, a few months or a year before Leah and I came out here, he asked that young lady to marry him, and uh, they got married shortly after uh, Leah and I came out here. We went back to Olive Branch for the wedding to celebrate that with them, and uh, in the, the last uh, four years or so that they have been married, uh, Austin has served in the National Guard. He's a National Guardsman, and for the last year or so, he's been serving as a police officer in that area. And on Friday night, Austin was helping a, a person on the side of the road who had a flat tire, and he was helping this person change their tire when he was struck by a drunk driver. And he was in the hospital, and um, they uh, had to do some surgery on him. Uh, he is alive, he is okay, he's expected to make a recovery. He probably will have to have another surgery or two in the days ahead, but I know this young man, I know his wife, I know her family well, I know his family, and I know that even in the middle of all of the tragedy, that they were rejoicing in the Lord. Not because it happened, no one wants to rejoice when something like that happens. I know they were rejoicing, number one, that his life was not in jeopardy. And once they got him to the hospital, it was on the scene, but once he got to the hospital, they didn't feel like uh, his life was going to be in jeopardy, but they were rejoicing in the Lord. Uh, they were rejoicing that even though there are now some questions about the future and how will that look and all of these things they know that God is in control friends when you're going through difficult days like that you're not necessarily going to jump up and say thank you Lord for this horrible thing that happened to me but as believers in Christ we can say Lord this is horrible I don't want to go through this but I know that you are in control this is what Peter is commending them for. As believers in Christ, even when they faced great difficulties, they could rejoice. These weren't people, by the way, that were living high on the hog, okay? These were not people that were living the good life, the easy life. These are people that had to flee from the cities and go out into the country because they were being rounded up because they were Christians, they were being rounded up and they were being arrested and they were being tortured and they were being executed for the sheer fact that they were believers in Christ. See, in that day it was a crime to be a believer in Christ in the Roman Empire. And so we have to understand, we have to understand that there's people uh, that are living in hope that hope that we live in will be evidenced in the fact that we can rejoice 
even when we face things that are horrible. You know, years ago, a friend of mine told me that if you want to see what's inside someone, all you need to do is squeeze them. Squeeze them. Not literally, but figuratively. Let the, the things of life close in on them and squeeze them and just like a tube of toothpaste when you squeeze it whatever's inside it's going to come out isn't it folks what comes out in your life when the stresses and anxieties in your life press against you and they squeeze you are you hopeful or are you hopeless when you're faced with the trials of life, do you regret your hope in Christ or do you rejoice in it? Because hope receives. Number two, hope rejoices. But number three, hope reaches. Hope reaches. And, and Peter indicates really two ways that hope will reach. Number one, he indicates, uh, he indicates the fact that, that the hope of Christ is going to reach out to us through the written word of God. He speaks about the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you. He talks about these prophets who, 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 who are the ones that we read when we read the Old Testament. These are the prophets that... Peter is talking about he's talking about Isaiah and he's talking about Ezekiel and, and he's talking about Hosea and he's talking about uh, he's talking about Micah and he's, he's talking about the Old Testament scripture we have to understand that the hope of Christ we can find in the Word of God and though Peter's talking about the Old Testament today from our perspective we now have along with the Old Testament the New Testament and, and it's testifying to us even more today than it did in Peter's day see we can find hope through the Word of God all you got to do is turn to Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 it tells you exactly how you can be saved it says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead that you can be saved Verse 10, one believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. If you believe it enough in your heart and in your spirit, in your soul, to let it come out of your life, you believe it enough not just to say empty words but to confess it with conviction repent of your sins the Bible says you can be saved so how do you know that pastor it's in the Bible that's how we know because hope reaches to us through the Word of God we realize that uh, when it talks about Abraham in Genesis 15 6 Moses tells us that Abraham believed in the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness it begins with belief with faith and the result of that faith for those who are in Christ is that we are credited with the righteousness of Jesus as a result of faith the hope of God reaches out to us in the Word of God but it is also reaching out to us through the lives of believers and you look in 
verse 12, we see uh, Peter refer to this a little bit. He's talking about, uh, he's talked about uh, uh, the, um, the things that were prophesied. And in verse 12, he says it was revealed to them that they were uh, not serving themselves but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you. How did it reach to these particular believers? Well, somebody read the Word of God, a believer in Christ, and then took that Word of God and proclaimed it to somebody else. That's how it happened. Because the hope of Christ is evident in how the people that are living in that hope will reach out to others. Many of you are familiar with John Wesley, as a great man of faith in Christian history. One night, John Wesley was coming back from a worship service and he was robbed. And as the bandit was leaving, Wesley cried out, he says, hey, stop. He says, I have something to give to you. The robber was kind of surprised. He turned around and Wesley said, my friend, he says, one day you, you may live to regret this sort of life. He says, but if you ever do, here's something to remember. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And then the thief hurried away and, and Wesley prayed. He wasn't praying, Lord, would you give me back my stuff? Lord, would you help me find my stuff? He was praying, Lord, would you help the words that have been spoken to this man about the gospel? Would you help it to bear fruit? Years later, Wesley was greeting people after a Sunday service when he was approached by a stranger and as he talked to the stranger he was surprised to found out that this man now a Christian now a successful businessman was the man who had robbed him that night years ago the man says I owe it all to you he said to John Wesley John Wesley says oh no he says not me but to the precious blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin Friends, when you live in hope, you're going to look for ways to share the gospel, even when it's hard. If you're a believer in Christ, you're called to share the gospel. If you're a believer in Christ, you're called to reach out and share what God has done in your life. You're called to reach out and, and share what you've seen God do in other people's lives. You're called to, to reach out and share what God has done in His Word. You see, hope receives and hope rejoices and hope reports. And the last thing is that hope reveals. Hope reveals. Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. Them are the prophets. Remember Peter's talking about the prophets. He says the prophets, he says that prophesied about me, asked all these questions, and it was revealed to them that what they were doing was what would impact people in generations to come he says he says it was it was revealed to the prophets that as they wrote the things down that God told them to write as they were obedient to do what God told them to do that it was going to go beyond the life that they were living in that day and if that was all that God did was what he did in Moses and parting the Red Sea Man, that would be enough for me, okay? But, but not only did that happen, but Moses and other people would write about these things. And, and we are reading about it thousands of years later today. 
it's revealed to them that the things that are happening in their life is not just about them. It's, it's about a bigger kingdom purpose that would impact generations to come. They were not serving themselves, but you in the future, in the days ahead. So the thing you need to see here is that uh, is that the prophets of the Old Testament understood that the truth of God, that God showed to them was more than basic history. We talked about that. But also, uh, I want you to understand that when you today proclaim the gospel of Christ in your life, that it can have an impact in this world for generations to come. So you share the gospel with your family, as your family sees you share the gospel with your community, they see you serving God in your church, it impacts them. And it impacts uh, not just your family, but it's going to impact another life. Someone else is going to come to Christ and they're going to learn that they need to teach their family about Christ and then it's going to impact them for generations. And it will just happen over and over and over again. When you proclaim Christ in your life, it's going to have a tremendous impact. How did they know they were serving a bigger, a bigger kingdom purpose? Well, they knew because God showed them. He revealed this to him. And here's the second thing I want you to understand about this revelation, about, uh, about how God will reveal things to us, that when we are living in hope, God will guide our steps along the way. And as you inquire his word and seek his will, he will reveal the way. So many times I have people ask questions. I have asked questions. All of us are, at, you know, at times in our life, you know, face these questions of what now, what next, what do I do, how do I respond, how should I try to prevent, how do I be proactive in this and reactive to that, what should I do, Lord? And when we seek the face of God and when we inquire of his word he will reveal the way if you've been a disciple of Christ very long you know what I'm talking about you know when the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom or prompts you to do something that you normally would not do or maybe when you're young maybe even prompts you to not do something that you normally might have done you know, so those things that happen when we are walking with Christ, He will reveal the way and He will, he will uh, define and he will, uh, he will establish our steps. You know, this is uh, February is Black History Month in our nation, which really gives us an opportunity to celebrate and thank God for men and women of color that have impacted our nation, for, especially for the cause of Christ over the years. And one of my favorite pastors is Dr. Tony Evans, and he's still preaching. Many of you know who he is. He happens to be a man of color. But Dr. Tony Evans once said that God will meet you right where you are in order to take you where he wants you to go. God will meet you right where you are. You don't have to come to him. He's going to come to you. He will meet you right there. But then he's going to reveal the way and he is going to take you on a whole nother journey, a journey towards his will, towards his purpose, towards his kingdom.
Friends, he offers a living hope through Jesus Christ and you can live in that living hope. It begins when you receive Christ as your Savior because hope receives and hope rejoices and it reaches out and it reveals. Friends, the question this morning is this, are you living in the hope of Christ? And if not, what's stopping you? What's stopping you from receiving Christ if you've never received Christ? What is stopping you, believer in Christ, from rejoicing? What would be stopping you from reaching out and sharing the gospel? What is stopping you from inquiring of the Lord and looking for God to reveal His will to you along the way? Friends, the voice of God is a powerful voice. And we need to listen for Him. And we need to seek His direction. So like Dr. Martin Luther King once said, the time is always right to do what is right. Let's pray.